From the birthplace of modern recovery, Akron, Ohio, welcome to Rock and Recovery. Recovery Talks, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories and amplifying the voices of those on the front lines in the recovery movement. Our commitment to you to always deliver straight up sober talk with the sincere promise of a safe, stigma and judgment free zone. Recovery Talks right now. I, you know, we haven't had a chance to meet or talk or anything like that. Usually I like to talk before him, but it's good. So my name is Mark Shannon. I'm a recording, I'm a recovering alcoholic addict. And uh, I live in Akron, Ohio, dude, believe it or not. Akron, Ohio. All right. I was born in St. Thomas Hospital where it all began. I really was, man. And, and up until the COVID thing, I was working as a, uh, in the tax ward as a sobriety coach on Monday nights, seven o'clock. Oh, wow. Nice. If you want to get real, dude, go to detox. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's, yeah. that's where, you know, that's where the cats are looking at you. Like, you know, you need to shut up and don't talk to me anymore because I don't want to talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll go up there on Monday nights and try and tell a story and help some people out. But, um, man, we could not come from farther away worlds as far as music was going. You know, I, I grew yeah. up in a um, I was spending a lot of time listening to your music today and, and listening to your songs and stuff and, and it's got to feel good, man. Know that you're doing what you're doing after what you were doing. So many miracles. I've seen so many miracles that I'm just like, oh, like it's just constant God shots as things happen. You know, you know, even the way that the song Sober was written, you know, it was like I wasn't even supposed to be in the studio that day. And I'm parallel with it because I just got out of a relationship where, you know, there was a lot of, you know, what's wrong with this girl? She's telling me she's not, not drinking. And I thought there was some mental health things. So I was looking for the, all, all the wrong thing, right? Yeah. Maybe bipolar. You know, we would go to gigs and she would be cool. And then at the end of the gig, she'd be somebody else. And so, you know, and I would ask, like, what's happening? Are you drinking? Because, you know, I'm good with that. If you if you were drinking, tell me. Talk. I'm good, right? Yeah. You know, where, where do we begin, man? I mean, I, I, I guess I, I want to hear a little bit about, you know, what it was like for you. My drinking career started at 13. You know, I my background is, um, you know, I'm biracial. I'm a twin brother. My birth mother was a junkie who abandoned my brother and I. And we got adopted into a family at the time. For the first 14 years of my life, my my adopted father was, was sober. Mm. And um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. But we were, we were pretty poor. My dad was a janitor in a Vietnam bed. And we had a pretty normal life for a while. Mm. And my brother has severe mental health issues. Um, he started developing bipolar schizophrenia around 10, 11 and it started to take full form when we were hitting puberty. So my brother was repeatedly uh, incarcerated in juvenile mental institutions, which put a strain on my father's sobriety, which he was not going to meetings. And eventually um, the chaos that my brother was bringing into the home put a wedge between my parents' marriage because my brother was, he was abusing my mother physically and terrorizing her but then acting normal in front of the rest of the family so he actually was like 
it's it, it's kind of crazy it, it, looking back. You know, I've, I've done interviews with like Psychology Today talking about the dynamic of the of the of a household of schizophrenic and bipolar, you know, borderline child. I'm six one and I'm two fifty, and my brother's six two, and he's before his incarceration, I think he was three hundred and thirty eight pounds. He's a we're big. My dad's five ten. Did you guys go at it a lot when you were growing up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, ultimately in 2010, he he attempted to murder me. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as a lot of people know. But, mm. you know, once my dad, I think when my dad picked up, my mom took my sister and moved and, and started her life over. And they kind of left me with my drunk father and my crazy brother. And luckily I found music very young and I was in a band from the time I was 14. So... Music kept me out of a lot of trouble. I did. I wound up still getting into trouble, but I spent more time at band rehearsals and playing concerts and like trying to get fake IDs to get, you know, and going to other concerts. It, it kept me out of a lot of trouble, whereas my brother fell further into like, just kind of like gangster rap mentality. And there was a lot of drug dealers. There was, there was a lot of guns, a lot of drugs going on in the neighborhood as we got older. I got involved in that stuff. Um, I almost got killed by a gang. A friend of mine, uh, we got attacked when uh, I was 20. And uh, I got ran over by a car, beaten with baseball bats at gunpoint. Uh, they almost took my friend's eye out. Um, and we got we got saved by people, like people passing by, pulled up and chased the kids off. And that was when I was done selling drugs and engaging in that behavior but I still had that mentality of oh this happened to me and that's why like I was a victim still so I didn't put together that the decisions I was making the life I was living the places I was choosing and, and I didn't know I had a choice to be honest because I came from so little I didn't know anything else But I got fed up and I decided that I was going to be a rock star and that was going to be how I escaped from where I'm from. There was two things for me, sports and music, right? And that was my yeah. job. There was a tribe there. My background's not like yours, but it's a lot of similarities. You know, there's a lot of divorce. I got a crazy brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. He passed, unfortunately, in a, in a, uh, a house fire. But, um, you know, it was always, in, when, when I was growing up, I, whenever I went to school, I was like, oh, you're his brother? You know, the first few months of school was always like, you know, me trying to be somebody else besides what they thought I was being his brother. I mean, was music and using, did they go together for you? I mean, was that, because for me, music and using were separate at first. It was like, you know, I, I would do that, but then no, music I, I would, together. I, I mean, I, I think that listening to music and smoking pot and, yeah. you know, was a thing. But, you know, then when, by the time I graduated to, like, LSD and mescaline and hallucinogens, you couldn't really, li like, you couldn't really listen to music because it would, it was distorting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, same thing with, like, Special K and all that stuff. And so, like, you know, you'd go out to concerts and, and then sneak beers from the bodega and, like, you know, drink a couple beers and then go into the show. And we couldn't even drink in there, so somebody would try to sneak a flask in. And, you know, I only got wasted one time before I got on, before I was on stage so I don't I always had this thing where being on stage was sacred so I would wait until after yep one second after 
one second. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. As soon as. Just take a shower and then just start drinking whiskey and then oh. doing blow and taking pills to go to sleep. And So I was that cat that, you know, if you ask for one more song, I was pissed because I didn't want one yeah. more song. Like, no, I got something I got to do. I got it out of the car. I got I to gotta go, you know. So where did you feel like you know, it was starting to, I mean, you know, because I, I don't want to stay too much on, on, you know, what it was like, because I'm, I'm not a big guy about, and then, you know, and then this happened, and then this happened. All our stories are the same, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The real chopping block for me was, um, you know, I had attempted to get so- sober on my own, mm-hmm. because I had gotten uh, my girlfriend pregnant, and, and then, I like, I asked her to marry me, like, you know, just like, whatever, I was... Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. We were kids. I think it was six months into the pregnancy. She lost the baby uh, as a result of a heroin relapse. She almost died. The baby died. And I use that, if I'm honest, I use that tragedy as a reason to drink and use the way that I always wanted to. Because now I finally had my like great Shakespearean tragedy that you don't understand. And my... Drinking and drugging was so voracious. It ended me with two overdoses and homelessness. Mm. And at the time, um, I was in a, I was in, I had gotten kicked out of one band because I beat up my guitar player on stage. And then I joined another band. And one of the guys in the band was sober and he went to meetings and he, uh-huh. he was, he, his life was together and you could just see like we were all a mess and he was normal. Yeah. And uh, he let me move on, move in and live on his couch. That's awesome. And yeah. And then I started my journey in recovery. No. I started going to meetings and talking to people and listening. And I've never gone to a place where a bunch of men told the truth about themselves and it was okay. Today, when I was reading some of the stuff that you said, you, you, you wrote to you know, somebody was saying to you that they would love you until you, you know you could figure out a way to love yourself. And I remember that moment. I remember yeah. hearing that and thinking, there's no way I'm going to love myself because I couldn't find the big eraser to erase all the stuff I've done. And still, to this day, I, I think back about, you know, I, I've got three kids, you know, I had a career, you know, I worked for a, a big microphone company for a long time. I wore a suit, you know, and I still find that I'm, you know, helping others is the way the big eraser comes out for me that I can look back and go, we messed that up. But, you know, today, maybe you can erase some of that stuff if you help some people today, you know? So what were the first few miles like for you, man? I mean, when you first started getting sober, what was that like? You know, everything was great in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I didn't really feel anything. I didn't feel the sun on my skin you know, and uh, I got sober in California and, and Los Angeles. And I remember, you know, freaking out and people said, keep coming back. And then I got a, I, I got a sponsor and I got a job working at a dog kennel. And and I got a job as, you know, checking IDs at a club. And, you know, and then I started teaching singing lessons to some of the, you know, unsigned band people who wanted to be better. Right. And I just did that. And I got, I, I moved out of Sonny's um, off of his couch and I got a scholarship from the Music Cares Foundation to move into a sober living. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I wound up I wound up going into sober living with four months sober. You know, and it's just like, you know, the universe kind of unfolded in a way uh that was that, you know, 
was conducive for me to to stay on the path and you know and i did things i, I they told me to go to 90 meetings in 90 days i was like i'm gonna do 120 meetings i was one of those people exactly. but it wasn't really it was also because i was like i was alone i was so alone every morning at, at, at 6 45 a.m and i went every day because i i couldn't make it i couldn't make it to 6 45 i just couldn't make it i would wake up in the middle of the night going is it time yet is it time yet yeah what was it like musically though, when you first started, you know, hanging out with people that used to know you doing that, and now you're not doing that? You know what I mean? How was it different for you? Because I remember people were just really being happy. That I was, I was like, dude, we're so happy for you, but you're not doing that. My ego and my identity was so invested in who, what I could do, and who I was that my first year of recovery. My sponsor suggested that I step away from the music business and I did that and the door closed and it didn't open again for 10 years. And that was okay because I needed to be remade and remolded and I needed to, if you want to have good self-esteem, you have to learn how to do esteemable acts. And I had to relearn how to be and define the terms and conditions of what makes Tommy happy and what makes Tommy valuable. That was a free education that is more valuable than any Ivy League school could ever afford a, a human soul. Uh, and I had, I had, uh, you know, I'm one of those people, I'm hungry for information, I'm hungry to, to grow, and I stuck with the winners. And I learned how to be. I didn't, you know, because again, I, my father checked out when I was 14 and I started drinking at 13. So by the time I got sober at 27, I was emotionally a teenager. My concepts and ideas, you know, I had things that had happened in my life. I had accomplished some goals. I had toured all over the world. But when it came to personal accountability, responsibility, and just knowing how to do common adult things I was at a loss so I had to relearn how to be a man for a moment I can't wait it's a fight I guess I'll never know for a moment I can't wait I'm holding on a hold I know you're strong I can see it the struggle's getting old for a moment I can't wait cause you said you're so
find people are sometimes uncomfortable around you, man, because you are sober. Uh, for me, you know, I, I, I think that people tend to overcompensate like, oh, is it okay if I drink around you? I'm like, yeah, dude, you can drink. You can have a cocktail. I cannot do that. You know what I mean? More common conversation when I am single and dating new people. Right. Most of the people in my life that are in my life, you know, some have been there before I was in recovery and they obviously are like this is which is grateful that you're sober and right. you look at all that you've done and look how you live now and like we're like all for it mm. and you know and then and other people just they have respect for it and I you know I always tell people you know I don't deserve an award for running out of a burning building you know that's the way that I I my sponsor had expressed it to me and you know we we take you know we celebrate our milestones in recovery not as a trump it calls a self-importance, but as a testimony to people who are new that, yeah, you can, if you get sober, you can be a rock star. If you get sober, you can become a doctor. If you can get, if you get sober, you can be, you know, you can be a movie star, but you can all eat just getting sober. You could have a family. You could, you can get the promotion, you know, you can show up. I've watched men bury their fathers and mothers. I've watched men walk through having to bury their children. I've watched you know, women re, re, uh, reassess and redefine their entire lives and go through divorces and like start their own businesses and have children, you know, and I've watched people have kids that wind up having to go, you know, and go into recovery and, and the stress that that entails. And the greater miracle of all of it is that we don't have to do it alone anymore. We're never alone. So what's it, what's it like for you now today? I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, we're talking about for me, for COVID, it was, it was kind of strange at first, you know, I mean, I've been going to a lot of group gatherings on, on zoom, which at first kind of tripped me up because I'm an audio guy. Right. And I was like, no, no, your, your mic is muted. You know, <laughs> and you, yeah. want to, you want to jump through the screen and like tells us, dude, dude, please just wipe your screen off so that where your camera is, you know, so I can see it, you know, and then I, that was totally distracting for me. But, but in a lot of ways, I'm really feeling energized by the fact that I can at any moment, at any time I can connect. I've been going to Joshua Tree, you know, like, you know, L.A., because I, I spent 10 years out there, you know, London, anywhere you want, you can pop on and be with people just like us. So what's it like for you? Well, I think like what Zoom has done is it has definitely taken away any excuses I have for not wanting to go to a meeting that day. And as somebody who tours, there are times where I'm like, you know, I'm very lucky that the past couple tours, you know, I did a tour in Europe and my current sponsor was I was opening up for him, you know, and he's been sober for 30 years and people, people will probably be able to figure out who that is, but whatever. And there are guys who I saw come in. I gave a guy a cake for two years on that tour who I saw. I was one of the people who was called when he couldn't, you know, I came to meet him and he refused to give up his last bag of drugs to me. And he went out for another run for another two months. And then he finally got it. And that was over two years ago, you know, and, and there are, you know, we make a, a recovery room for anyone, anyone. And every day at this, at the allotted time, we all have the meeting. That's and then when we have days off, we go meet up together and then we eat a fellowship or we go to a meeting. Yeah, and that's the great gift, you know, as, um, you know, iron sharpens iron. People ask me, you know, what are the things that, that you know you do? And I said, there's really three things for me. It's number one, under any conditions, I don't drink or use. I just don't. You know what I mean? That's 
my goal every day. You know, it, I, I have over five years, but 24 hours is all that matters. That's it. The only way to win the race is a day at a time. Number two is find your tribe. You know what I mean? You have got, not everything is for everybody. You know what I mean? Not every group or gathering is for everybody. There's certain things that I didn't like at first. You know what I mean? Certain types of gatherings, I didn't dig, you know? But then, you know, pretty soon I found it. And then once you find your tribe, you've got your tribe. Stay close to your tribe. And the third thing and the final thing is once you get it, give it away. You've got to give mm. it every day. Find mm. somebody that you can reach out to. And before, you know, we got online today, one of the things I was hoping was that, you know, we were going to be able to connect, which instantly I feel that we did. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's the language of the heart, man. It is, man. And, and the cool thing about it is, is that it doesn't matter what our backgrounds are. We, we're exactly the same. No difference. There is absolutely, we are all the same. We're all in recovery one minute, one day at a time. And that is all there yeah. is. One of the things that really stuck out to me was search for the similarities and not the differences. And I, I think the rest of the world, you, you look at the climate of this country and man, I'm like, you guys need a 12-step program because we don't do that. We don't do this divisory separate. We don't care what your politics are. We don't care what your gender is or your race or your religion or anything. We're all the same. So, so it's a very wide door and we all fit in it. I saw on your calendar that there was a July 13th date on at Blossom Music Center coming up. Is, are you are you out at all? Are you guys doing any touring or what's going on now? I mean, that's 2021. So we are. I, I spoke to David Draymond from Disturbed last. Uh, we spoke Saturday, mm-hmm. and we just were talking about everything. And and basically, we're the tour was supposed to happen this year. Mm-hmm. And they just rerouted it. They re- rescheduled it for 365 days. Right. That's in awesome. the future. And so that's right near in downtown Akron where all the all things right. that are happening Akron-wise. So when you come back around and if you want to see some of the things, you know, like where it all happened back in the day, you know what I mean? If you're I've, been, into- I've, been, I've been there. You have? Okay, cool, man. Whenever we go through town, yeah, like I have, I, I hire program people to work for me too. So many times I have made the bus driver stop, have to drive through Akron. And then I wake people up in the morning that I wake up the other sober people. I'm like, you gotta wake up. They're like, where are we? I'm like, we're in Akron. They're like, bro, get the fuck out of here. And I've been blessed to take people to those places that from England and all of it, like that would never have had the opportunity. Man, you, you, you absolutely made my day. Thank you so much. I'm really, you're Is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners about, you know, what we can do to help and support your efforts going forward? I noticed there's a couple of organizations off your website. You know, I just actually gave up a few shekels for some of the ones that, that you were there because it's just, it, I, I just really want to support you in every possible way. This little podcast we do, it's not big, brother, but you know what? It's one little voice. To me, if one person's life is positively affected, then isn't that worth it? You know, and, um, you know, for anybody who's struggling out there, just, you know, don't quit before the miracle happens. You know, stay close and be patient. This thing works. It really does. If you could go back in time, we say there's a magic window, right? You can go back in time and, and talk to the Tommy that was still using. What would you tell him about your life now? What would you tell him? I wouldn't say anything. I would just listen. I can't tell you how much of a thrill this has been to spend some time with you, man. And you know, you've oh, been- I appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Back and brother, look me up, Marcus Shannon. 
we'll find a way to just cut together and, and, and go to, go to well, when we come through next year, just come bring a meeting, just hit me up and then, you know, we'll get you passes. We'll, you know, get a bunch of guys, bring some sponsees and we'll Thanks. just read the book and do the, do the deal. Like we that's do, awesome. you know, that's awesome. I can't wait to see it. Man. Take care. Awesome. Thank man. you so much, man. And you know, thank you. Stay tuned to rock and recovery for more episodes with more guests as they share their journey from the darkness to the light. And until then, everybody, please. Stay standing, stay sober, and steady on.